What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode here at the Fitness Oracle. Today, we sit down with Evelyn Hall from Inspire Health Physical Therapy and Wellness. She's a single mom of two, a physical therapist, and a Latina who enjoys the beach, salsa, and bachata dancing, physical activity, and helping men and women with sexual dysfunction. Today's episode is a little bit... um. Some people are going to think about is, this is a little bit of a taboo subject, but regardless of what people think, this is a really important conversation that we have. Um, us as people, especially us guys, we have a hard time talking about um, sex and all that stuff. And we talk a lot about her practice, which actually helps with ED, uh, her practice, which is acoustic wave therapy. Uh, we talk about healthy sex. Um ED and the value of self and self-worth, finding confidence. And we talk a lot about nutrition. Like I said, this episode is going to be filled with jam-packed, juicy topics. So as usual, guys, grab a pen and paper, grab a cup of joe and enjoy the show. Evelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice how's, to be here. How's everything? How's uh, how's life in South Florida? I have to say, life in Florida is amazing. I've been here for about five years, and I absolutely love it. Awesome. I had to go back. Um, I had to go back because of work reasons, but anyways. Um. Yeah, we're going with a little bit of a different format. Usually I would introduce people, but I decided, you know, it's a little bit of, of a kind of, I'm, I'm introducing you at the beginning of the show. I'm introducing you at this, at this moment. So we're just going to jump into the, into the show because we got, you and I have a lot to talk about when it comes to this. This is guys get ready. Like I said, in the intro, get your pen and paper ready. You guys are going to love this interview. This is going to be one of those interviews that you're just going to absolutely um, enjoy listening to. It's a little bit off off the cusp, off the edge, but this is what we're going for with, with uh, the Fitness Oracle. So what got you interested in this line of work in the first place? Well, I've been a physical therapist for a long time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and... Uh, and, um, you know, over the years, I've counseled, you know, countless patients on, um, you know, great sexual positions, particularly for specific injuries um, and, um, you know, how to, you know, continue with that part of their life, um, it, despite the fact that they have an injured back or an injured knee. And, um, and I always thought that those patients were the most interesting. And um, just a few years ago, uh, I started using um, a machine that is used for a lot of different reasons. Um, it's used for musculoskeletal issues, um, but it's also used to treat erectile dysfunction and um, vaginal sensitivity and pain. And so um, I started um, using it uh, for those types of clients as well. 
And, um, and I just really enjoyed um, having those types of clients. They're a lot of fun, um, you know, lots of jokes back and forth. And it just, it ends up being a fun treatment. And I'm really helping people with, you know, their sexual lives. So I just think it's just really a worthwhile field for me. And I just love it. Oh, that's awesome. It really sounds like some interesting work. Um, have there have there ever been any moments where you just wanted to quit? Uh, no, actually, no. Um, there have been moments where, um, you know, I've had a client come um, to the session thinking that it was going to be something different. And, um, you know, those moments are awkward and obviously take a lot of talking um, out of the situation. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've learned from those experiences and now I make sure that I give everybody a really clear picture of what to expect when they come in so that they're not, you know, expecting a happy ending or something like that. <laughs> well, that comes later. That comes, you know, when they go home. <laughs> well, coming from a guy's perspective, um, a lot of guys come into these things with that concept. It's how do you talk them out of that form of expectation? So, you know, a lot of people ask me if I do massage and, you know, as a physical therapist, we do learn massage specifically for um, injuries. So if you have an injury, then I may do therapeutic massage, also known as soft tissue mobilization in therapy worlds. Um, but we don't do like head to toe massages like a massage therapist does. So basically, I always, you know, preface it by saying I don't do massage. Um, this is a professional treatment. It's a treatment for specifically for erectile dysfunction. Um, and if that's something that you're interested in, then we can further talk. But I just want you to know ahead of time that these are the expectations. Um, and so, you know, the conversation goes from there. And a lot of times people will reach out to me because they do actually have need in that area. So the conversation typically continues. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but a, a big part of what you do is called the acoustic wave therapy. Correct. And it's, uh, that's something off the mainstream. And what exactly is acoustic wave therapy? So acoustic wave therapy, it's also been coined as gains wave therapy. So if you go online and you look up gains wave therapy, you will find a lot of information. Uh, many doctors' offices, especially urologists, do use this um, in their uh, offices to treat erectile dysfunction. And basically what it is, is it's called, another word for it or another name for it is called shock wave therapy. And what you're doing is you're giving the tissue little tiny shocks, okay? And what that does to the tissue is that it opens up the blood vessels if you have any blockages in the blood vessels, it opens up the blockages and allows for the blood to flow through more easily. Also, what it does to the tissue is it, it encourages the tissue to create more capillary formation. So you're not just undoing the blockages or clear, clearing out the blockages, you're also creating more circulation by creating more blood vessels in the tissue. So it's great for healing, um, you know, various different injuries, also really great for erectile dysfunction. 
I could see how that could how that could uh, help the erectile dysfunction, but isn't that more of a neurological control that you're trying to um, stimulate? And wouldn't something like an electrical impulse overload the electrical uh, the the electrical the neuron pathways? Wow, I'm mumbling again. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, there's different things that go into um, there's different things that go into having an erection, right? So part of it is neurological or brain related, right? Because the brain is the biggest part of your neurological system. So mentally, you have to be in the right space, you have to be turned on, um, you have to, you know, be into the person that you're with. <laughs> um, and you have to be confident enough to, um, to, you know, move forward with, with, having sex right and then there's the physical component so your parts have to be properly functioning so if you have um you know 30 years of you know eating bacon and and steak <laughs> you're probably going to have some um some you know arteries that have some blockages in them or have some kind of atherosclerosis or you know something going on and, you know, because the penis is a smaller organ, um, you know, it has smaller vessels. So they're going to get blocked faster than, say, your heart will um, or say like the veins in your lung or in your um, in your legs, for instance. So um, so uh, there are different components. Um, neurologic is one. It's, you know, what comes from your brain. And then the other two, other thing would be physically. Can you physically perform? Can you physically get an erection? You said something, um, you said something there that I want to touch up on. Um, physical attraction is a part of it. I agree. I mean, if you're not physically attracted to your partner, it's not just, it's not going to happen. Right. Okay. And that goes both ways, whichever way you want to see it. Correct. Um, what if both parties are attracted to each other, but the amount of stress that is placed onto one person can't, for lack of a better word, get it up or keep it up? How would you help somebody um, improve their sex life that way because of their own misconceptions about themselves? So you're absolutely right. You know, getting an erection is so multi-layered. There's so many things that go into it. You have to have self-confidence. You have to be, you know, in a place where you believe in yourself that, you know, you can, you know, men know their bodies better than anybody else, you know? So anything that they think about in their mind is going to also affect the relationship that they form with the person that they're with. Um, so, you know, that is part of having, you know, a strong erection. Um, there's something called BDE. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but it's it stands for big dick energy. And basically um, what that means, and, you know, it's all over the internet. I did not coin this term, um, but BDE um, gives men confidence, not just in their sex lives, but in their, you know, work lives, in their social lives. It gives them confidence to know that they, um, you know, they can perform if they want to perform when they want to perform. And, um, and so when you are able to, 
you know, sexually, um, you know, perform at the level that you want to perform, it gives you a confidence, it gives you a swag, it gives you a, you know, pep in your step. And, um, and so it does help self confidence. So I do think that they go hand in hand. Um, certainly. Um, I, uh, what about the guys that are um, in depression? They're, they, they lost their partner, they don't know where they're going in life. Um, because sex does play a huge part in both male and female um, self-confidence. So if you've just lost somebody close to you, you're in a bad place. Man, psych psychologically, you're in a really bad place, or you lost your job, or family life is not going right. Absolutely. You know, so how would you help them? So, you know, when I, when I evaluate a, a new client, we talk about a whole host of different things. Um, you know, if that comes up in the evaluative process where the patient says that they're depressed or they're taking, you know, medication for depression, you know, a lot of different things can cause you to not have a good erection. You know, it could be the medication that you're taking. You might have high blood pressure. Um, there's just a lot of things that go on and, um, you know, emotional stability. So if you've just lost a loved one or, um, you know, you broke up with your girlfriend, you lost your job, whatever it may be, all of those things do affect you emotionally and they will affect you, affect you physically as well. So if I do find that there's a client that needs more support in that area, I would refer them to, you know, a doctor, uh, another doctor that could, you know, help them with that area. I'm not a, a, a you know, a, a talk therapist. I'm, I, um, I, I do do a lot of that. And I've actually had a lot of people say to me, are you like a therapist too? You know, like a talk therapist too, because you really do like to, but I just like to form a rapport with my clients. Um, and, you know, they end up telling me a lot more than you would expect um, in a regular, you know, physical therapy situation. Uh, because, you know, I am very open-minded and I am non-judgmental. Non non um, and, you know, I let people just be who they are, you know, and I, and I think that that's really important in the line of work that I do. I, I totally understand that. Coming from a personal trainer, I know more about the spouse's spouse than the spouse <laughs> knows about themselves. So it's <laughs> like, like, I look, you came to me to get your body into shape, not tell me your family problems. I mean, so I know but full well what you mean. And when you start to see clients on a regular basis and you see them week after week, sometimes you end up spending more time with them, you know, quality time, yeah. right? Then maybe them and their spouse does because they have the kids and the house and the jobs and the, all this thing going on. And when they get home, there's this much time to, you know, actually have a conversation or spend time with your significant other. So, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, an hour is a lot of time to spend with somebody and you end up becoming very close to them. I have many, many clients that are now my friends because, you know, you just end up developing that rapport. Yeah, that's, that's so true. There's so many weddings, engagements, birthday parties, bar mitzvahs. Exactly. You name it that I've been invited to. It's like it's crazy. Back when, back here, uh, back here in Toronto. <laughs> That's a different story. We're not going to get into that. Um, okay. <laughs> a, 
a lot of guys, um, I'm not going to say a lot of guys, I'm, I'm sure there's women out there too that fall into this trap, the trap of porn. And a big part of what I do is uh, on, on the online aspect is uh, one of the challenges that we do for the week is, you know, give something up, give something up that's hard. And most people have tr are trying to give up porn. Why is porn one such uh, such a hard thing to give up for people. And why is it such, why is it, why is it a bad idea to get in, like put yourself into it? Not, not like, you know, get yourself filmed and all that stuff, but just on the, on the watching part of it. You know, so, I mean, it's just like anything else, you know, there is, there's a level of like addiction and then there's like a normal level of, of enjoyment, right? And, and then there's like the bell curve continuum, right? And everything in between. So um, if you fall in the middle and you watch it for, you know, enjoyment, um, then, you know, really there's nothing wrong with porn. I mean, it turns you on, it gets you there sometimes faster than, you know, you could get there on your own. Um, however, if it becomes an addiction, you know, or you're spending hours of your day looking at porn and you're not productive in other areas of your life, then it can become a problem. So it really is very individual. Um, I think that for, for men and women, but particularly for men, when they're watching porn, they're watching men who oftentimes have taken Viagra or some kind of medication to get their, you know, their penis hard and maintain it for a long time so that they can do the scenes. They also cut the scenes out if anybody has, you know, a limp penis, <laughs> you know, and they only show the parts where the man is, you know, completely virile and full of energy and, you know, doing his thing. So it, it creates a, a false sense of, of, you know, performance and how a man should really perform, you know? And the same goes with women as well, because, you know, the woman is like multi-orgasmic every time and always like, you know, screaming and this is so wonderful when, you know, that's not always the reality for every person, you know? Um, so that's, I think, you know, it's not bad but it can be bad depending on the person and their, you know, proclivity to having, you know, it become an issue in terms of it becoming an addiction or too much time spent looking at it. It almost sounds like it's, it's, it sets a false, uh, a false level of um, comparability with the person watching it. Exactly. You know, when a man watches porn, they want to be that porn star, right? They want to be able to do what the porn star is doing. Same as a woman. She looks at the, you know, a, a person, you know, a woman doing porn and they have like an absolutely perfect body, you know, and, you know, there's not a speck of like anything wrong with their body in terms of it's just like perfection, right? And you're like, how could you ever look like that in real life? It's, you know, it's, it's giving us all kind of like a false sense of, of what sex is supposed to look like. And that's not what sex really looks like, you know? Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of porn out there. There's 
you know, porn for um, people that, I forget what it's called, um, but it's not like professional. It's like amateur, amateur porn, you know? A lot of times people enjoy watching that more because it's more real, you know? And I can see why people would want to look at it because it's it's more realistic. It's, it's giving you a more, but then again, it may be amateurs, but they're also cutting and slicing and giving you the best of the best of the scene, you know, and it's still not reality. Yeah. Um, you said something that, that I really wanted to touch up on uh, the part where you were talking about, like people would look at it and see, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to look. I don't look like that. And people's, I've come to, to the understanding that my definition of what is beautiful is different than somebody else's, but that took me years to develop of, you know, trying to attract the quote unquote hourglass figure supermodel and always fit, falling flat on my face. And, um, how would, how do how do you help somebody identify something like that? to help them identify what do they think and what do would they view as beautiful so that they don't compare themselves to these, you know, um, porn stars or, you know, supermodels or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just give a lot of positive affirmations. Um, and, you know, people have to work on their own individual struggles about their self-worth and their self-esteem. Um, it's kind of like a very personal independent journey, uh, but I do like to point people in the right direction. So if I find that somebody really needs that, you know, avenue, I really try and encourage them to, you know, seek the help that they need or to read the book that they, you know, should read maybe if something, you know, triggers my, you know, thought process when I'm talking to them or just really encouraging words. Um, but, you know, people come in all different shapes and sizes and they're all beautiful, you know, not just the hourglass shape is beautiful. That is beautiful, but so is, you know, a, a big, you know, woman or um, a big man. They're attractive in their own ways. So is a skinny person and, you know, a skinny woman or a skinny man, they're attractive in their own way. I mean, there's just, people just have to find what they really love about themselves and focus on that. And, you know, there's so many ways to really like make yourself feel sexier um, in the bedroom. Um, there's lingerie, there's lighting, there's music, um, you know, a drink could help, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, just finding out what works for you. You know, some people need a half a bottle of tequila or, and some people need just a glass of wine. So it really just, it's very individual, you know, um, and just finding what works for you and what makes you feel good so that you can, you know, have the best experience. I, I agree. I, I agree. Like what I deem beautiful is different from somebody else's view of what they deem beautiful. Right. So it's, it's very individualistic. And like I said, it took me, took me close better the better part of two decades to figure this out of what is beautiful to me you know and that's uh it 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 took time um 
but a big part of another big part of it is uh having having um a healthy sexual um lifestyle i don't know if i want to use lifestyle but it is part of lifestyle to have a healthy sexual relationship with someone um because it does I don't know for me for me it just made me feel like when I had my girlfriend when I had my fiance um I just felt whole and when she left everything just pretty much felt like it fell apart so I know for me what it felt like how about you what has been your experiences and how do you coach people to find that healthy sexual relationship with people I don't know if this is where we should be going with this with this conversation, but I'm I'm curious about it. I'm curious about this. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always been very sexual. Um, you know, I was married for eight years. Um, unfortunately, um, about five years ago, I got divorced, and I won't get into my marriage. Um, but you know, after that, um, for the five for the last five years, I've been a single lady, you know, and um, suddenly I'm in a different place where I'm, you know, meeting different people. And, um, you know, it, it, it really, um, it really helped my sexual maturity, I have to say, um, to have, you know, experienced that, you know, singlehood <laughs> later on in life, you know, um, I did it in my twenties and then I got married and, you know, and now I'm, I'm back at it again, you know, and, um, and actually, um, as, a, as, as a more mature woman, I feel like my sexuality has, has skyrocketed because I am much more confident than I was in my twenties. I'm much more self-assured. I am, you know, I may not have the body that I had in my twenties after having two kids, but, um, but I love my body now more than I did then. So, you know, when you have that self-confidence, it really does make a big difference. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. It, it does because I'm, I, I know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm leading back into your practice. Um, yeah, the whole pro the, your your entire practice helps just not just men but women as well. Like you, yes. you and I had a conversation before, and I didn't know this because I'm a guy. We don't deal with this thing with 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 this stuff. We deal with other stuff, trying to get it up and keep it up while right. we're having sex. And right. for women, I you you actually uh, taught me that it can be painful for women. So your practice actually helps both people. Yes. Um, and, you know, uh, as women get older, um, they can develop, uh, you know, pain during intercourse for multiple reasons. Um, you know, one of the reasons is that um, there's not a, there's not as much fluid. There's not as much um, production of, of, you know, vaginal fluid um, so that so then it becomes painful because it's dry. Um, and then um, another reason is that the tissue in the vagina, just like, you know, your skin everywhere starts to get a little bit thinner. And, um, and so that can be really painful too, because of the, you know, the friction. So, um, so there's various reasons why women can start experiencing uh, painful intercourse. 
and um, and there's treatments for it. And many women don't even realize that there's treatments for it. Um, so, you know, I like to talk about um, sexuality and um, and see, because a lot of times people don't even consider it. You know, they don't even think, oh, that's a problem. Oh, I can fix that. Oh, I can have better sex. I can have less painful sex or no pain during sex. You know, of course, that's that's totally worth, you know, investing in. Yeah, uh, I can see. I can see that. Like, I mean, sex is supposed to be a pleasant experience between two people. And when it becomes painful, it's not pleasant anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And then so people avoid it. And then, you know, then you start having relationship issues because sex is a foundational, um, in my opinion, I mean, everybody's different. But for me, in a relationship, sex is foundational. It's one of the top five things, maybe even top three, you know? Um, so if you don't have that, you know, then you're, you're going to experience problems in your relationship if the other person also deems it as important as you do. Um, you know, if, the, if you both don't, then hey, whatever, you can do other stuff. But, you know, for most people, sex is a very integral part of having a relationship. And, and it's not just the intercourse, it's the intimacy. You know, our bodies were wired or are wired for pleasure. We have nerve cells on every surface of our body, you know, so from the tips of our toes to, you know, the top of our heads, we are wired for pleasure. Um, and, you know, we don't explore that enough. I think we really should explore it a lot more than we do. Um, that's interesting. Because growing up in a uh, Greek Orthodox uh, family, Nobody really talked about it. I don't know how you grew up, but I know in my family, no one spoke about it. I didn't know about this until I was in my teenagers when I started to explore it a little bit, my late teenage years. So how important do you think the conversation is for parents to have these conversations with their kids so they don't miss the boat? or have a different outlook on this kind of topic, because this, this can lead into more fights, more stress, more he head banging up against brick walls. It could lead into other very nasty avenues of a person's life if you don't have a proper conversation with them. I think communication is absolutely everything. <laughs> in a relationship for sure, you know, um, and with your kids. I mean, kids need to know about sex. I mean, if you look at the statistics, there are kids in, in, in grade school having sex in the bathrooms in school. You know what I mean? In middle school, in high school, we're talking about sex. I mean, we are born sexual creatures. <laughs> we are not asexual. Um, and children are sexual beings They're So they need to be taught, they need to be led. So it's really, really important to have these conversations. Obviously, you're not gonna go into extreme detail with the child, but giving them information about sex is really important, um, you know, for their own personal development. Um, children start to masturbate when they're very little, you know? And so having a conversation with them about that, it's okay to touch yourself. Um, 
that's a normal thing because it feels good and that's okay. But there are rules around that. You can't do it at school when you're listening to a math you know, a lecture. You can't do it at the grocery store as you're walking down the aisle. You have to do it when you're home alone and in the privacy of your own room. <laughs> um, and, and so I think it's really important to have these conversations with kids. Um, in a relationship, it's super important to have these conversations around sex, around what you like, what you don't like. Um, how else is your partner gonna know how to pleasure you? And what do we want most? when we're in a relationship to please our partner. We want them to be happy. We, we want to make them to make us happy and we want to make them happy. So what better way than to know exactly what turns them on? For the kid thing, this is a little bit off the cusp, but I'm, I'm just curious to see your point of view on this. For the kid thing, do you believe that there's a an age limit where we can, uh, where, we, where we should be having these conversations? Because personally, I believe um, up to a certain age, a child should just be a child and not be burdened by, you know, do I look beautiful today? Do I need to do my makeup to, you know, to impress this boy or the, or the boy, does this girl like me? I think at that, I think when that you introduce that at too young of an age, you remove that innocence from that child. I think personally, once you understand what you're, parts are that's usually around puberty that's when you should start learning about this stuff what do you think and i i mean i think even before then because you have to prepare for that i mean you know puberty for a man and puberty for a woman is a little bit different but for women we you know we get our period and typically that happens at around 10 years old you know 10 11 sometimes maybe if you're lucky you may get you know, you may push it to like 13 or 14, but for the majority of girls, they get their periods in their 10, when they're 10, 11, 12, something like that. And that's very young. That's like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. So if you're not having these conversations before that, they're not going to know what to expect. Um, so it's very important to have um, these conversations with kids, um, not to, you know, mess with their innocence because I think that having this information really doesn't impact their innocence in any way. Um, it's just a natural part of life. It's how we all got here. We all had, you know, our parents all had to have sex for us to be here. So it is a natural part of life. And I feel like stigmatizing the conversation around sex needs to stop because you know, like I said, it is a natural part of life and, um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, the puritanical way of thinking that was back way back in the day. It's, it doesn't have to be now anymore. Well, I mean, there are limitations to everything that we do. We all, I believe that the human being, if let, if set free will, um, do things that are, hurtful to other people and um i think that i think there are there, there does have to be some form of boundaries around how do pe how do people come into the world you know how are we made i'm talking you know nine ten something like that where we and that's really when the, the schools start to do um sex ed um so if the schools are starting to do sex ed 
I think the parents should be talking to their kids before the school talks to their kids. Um, because you should be, the parent should be the first person to say anything to their child about, you know, sex, I, I think. I don't think it should be coming from an outside source. Um, I think that during my parents' generation, you know, that may have been where they got their information, you know? Um, but I, I do think that parents, even though everybody's uncomfortable around it, need needs to get, they need to get more comfortable around it so that their kids can develop a, a sexual, a healthy sexual mentality. You know, sex doesn't have to be, you know, some kind of deviant thing. It's a natural part of life. It's a natural part of a relationship. Yeah. And, um, doesn't, well, anyways, let's go back to what we were talking about. Cause I really brought it over this side. That's over okay. Here. That's okay. Um, I have a tendency of doing that. So, uh, let's talk about nutrition because nutrition is a big part about being able to perform on both Absolutely. sides. Um, I come from a very, uh, interesting line of thought where and it's been proven scientifically proven by many many universities across the nation that meat actually helps produce testosterone at high levels for both men and women what are some of the other foods that actually actually help with just eating meat because i mean as much as i love a good steak i don't want to eat a good steak every three days a three days, three meals a day, seven days a week. Yeah. So meat is one of those catchy, you know, foods, um, that, you know, in, in, in our history, um, has been shown to supposedly, you know, make the man more virile and stronger and all of that. But, um, have you seen the movie game changers? No. So as a personal trainer, I think that that movie is so important, especially for men, because it shows that meat is actually not as necessary as you think it is. And I think that meat, the reason why men think it's so important is because it, ha it has a lot of protein in it. Um, and protein makes your muscles stronger. But there is a lot of um, ways to get protein um, that don't necessarily involve having a steak three times a day. Um, so, you know, the most important thing that you can do for your health is to um, eat lots of plant nutrition, fruits and vegetables, and other plant-based um, nutrition, such as grains and legumes and that sort of thing. And nuts, um, nuts, legumes, all of those things have protein in them. Um, so, so nutrition is super, super important. Uh, men and women should have anywhere between 10 to 13 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Um, and a serving is the size of your fist. Okay, so that is a lot of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Most people do not get that much. The average American gets about one and a half servings of fruits and vegetables per day. And we're supposed to have between 10 to 13 servings per day. For the average person, that's not, we're not talking about an elite athlete that needs maybe between 16 to 18 servings. So, um, so getting that nutrition in your body 
is going to make the biggest difference for your health because it's going to allow for those vessels to not get plugged up. <laughs> um, and to and it also the fruits and vegetables help cleanse your body. It helps to get rid of the toxins. Um, so it's very, very important to have lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. And that's really what I talk to my clients about, to try to encourage them to eat as many fruits and vegetables as they can. And, you know, not everybody's perfect, you know, and we all have our good and bad days. Um, so I do encourage them to also supplement um, with um, something that I endorse um, that allows for people to get uh 15 fruits and vegetables in their body every single day because it kind of bridges the gap between, you know, what you should eat and what you do eat. Um, sometimes we need that little cushion in between because not every day is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, well, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, uh, some of the best producing testosterone boosters out there is not in a steak as much as it kills me to say it's not in a steak or a nice rib pork or rack of <laughs> rib or whatever. It's none of that. I mean, ashwagandha is a plant. Goji berry root is a plant. And you look at any of the major, major players when it comes to boosting testosterone levels, they're all plants. Correct. So, and that's what I like to get across to my clients. The reason why I tell people to eat meat is because it has 13 essential amino acids that help repair muscle fibers when they tear. That's the only reason. And it's all, that's all it is. And plus, no, no you can't, a good filet mignon. I mean, come on. It's a good filet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you no. love a good steak, you love a good steak. Um, but, you know, quinoa has every, uh, you know, amino acid um, in it. So a plate of quinoa is going to give you as much, you know, uh, protein and amino acids as say a steak would. Um, and it would, and it doesn't give you like the cholesterol and the things that come with, you know, the steak that, you know, is, is going to cause toxicity in your body. And inflammation cause it does cause a lot of inflammation. Exactly. And inflammation is the precursor to all disease. Every single disease you got out there, the precursor is inflammation. So the way to decrease that is to eat lots of plant-based nutrition, um, and that helps decrease naturally inflammation. Yeah. The one, one of the many good things about being Greek Orthodox is our diet. It's yeah. very, I think it's a, one of the more balanced diets out, out the Mediterranean there. Diet. Absolutely. No, it's not Mediterranean. No? Nope. That, okay, there's there's a misconception. And I think of a Mediterranean diet. Yes. Okay. I, ideally for Greeks, the Mediterranean diet, Greeks, Italians, Spanish, Southern French, um, Middle East is the best. Northern Africa is the best for them, for them. Um, but the Greek Orthodox diet is uh, two days out of the two days out of the week. We're vegans. Oh, Okay. We eat fish only on Sundays, and then okay. the rest of the days, we're allowed to eat whatever we like. So it's a little bit of balance of everything just okay. to get, and out of the year, we are fasting about 180 days out of the year, Wow! which, which means we're vegan for 180 days out of the year. That's 
that is a much healthier diet. Actually, if you're, if you're vegan and you know, all you have to do is do a Google search, you know, and look up cardiovascular disease and like what cures it. And basically they say, cut out the meat, increase the plants. And guess what? You know, all of those blockages that you have in your heart, they start opening up. You, I've seen, you know, images before and after of like, you know, people that have been eating meat their entire lives and they're, you know, they, they need like a quadruple bypass, you know, and then they change their diet drastically and they start eating only plant-based foods. And suddenly all of their arteries are like flowing, like, you know, crazy, beautiful, you know, no blockages. It's all about diet and nutrition. So nutrition is 80% of health. As much as, you know, you're a trainer and I'm a physical therapist and we need to, we like to exercise, you know, <laughs> and I love to exercise. It's not that I don't love to exercise. I exercise almost every day. Um, but the most important thing that you can do for your health, 80% of health is nutrition. I agree. I'll actually one up you on that. I think it's about 85 <laughs> to 90%. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, it's it is the most important next to rest and recovery nutrition yes. is the thing you have to do it um the one thing that i don't like about the nutrition is all these uh one size fits all nutrition program nutritional programs it drives me nuts when i hear trainers I'll, i'm gonna point a finger at trainers because we do this a lot like, oh, the keto diet's the best. Oh, this diet's the best. Oh, that diet's the best. And we, we tell everybody, all our clientele, you have to do this diet. You're going to see amazing results. How true is the one size fits all diet? It's not. And, and that's exactly why people lose weight and then they gain it right back. When you, when you do a diet, okay, um, what you're doing is you're losing weight, but you're actually making yourself more toxic. What the, the, um, the role of fat cells in your body is to hold on to the toxicity in your body and to protect it from the organs, right? So all of your fat cells are holding on to those toxic chemicals and protecting your organs from the toxicity. So when you start to lose weight on a diet without cleansing your body. Okay. Um, you are actually reducing the fat cells, but the toxicity stays behind. So you're actually increasing the toxicity in your body. So when you go off of that diet, cause nobody stays on a diet forever. Nobody does. It's not an eating plan. It's not a way of life. It's a diet. So it's, it has a beginning and it has an end. Right. And when you end the diet, guess what? Most people gain it right back because their toxicity is so high that your, your body just wants to increase those fat cells again so that you can take that toxicity away from your organs. So the best way to lose weight is to actually detoxify as you're trying to lose weight. And the best way to change the way that you eat is by making very small changes that last a lifetime. So choosing one thing at a time to change, like this week, I'm going to eat more apples, you know, and once you are in a routine of eating those apples every day, 
then the next week you're going to say, okay, this week I'm going to eat apples, but I'm also going to, you know, have some lentils and whatever that may be for the person, because everybody's different there. Everyone's coming from a different culture. Everyone likes to eat different things. Some people hate eating certain things, but love other things. So you really have to, you know, see what it's very individual, um, what the person really likes and, and to encourage the things that they really love and to discourage the things that are not good for them. Um, but making small lasting changes is the best way to overall increase your health. I love that. I, I'm a big fan of making small changes. 1%, 1% better every day. I Absolutely. love that. I love the atomic habits. They're great. <laughs> Uh, we're coming close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. I just want to have your perspective on these topics. Sure. With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the constant uncertainty that we've been living in the last two to three years, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Uh, that's an interesting question. I would say, um, you know, one day at a time, if, if you're having a bad day, tomorrow is another day and you can wake up with a different perspective. And, you know, what I, what I tell my kids a lot, um, is, is that you have the ability to choose whether you want to be happy or whether you want to be sad. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it um, because, you know, there's, there's imbalances. Some people have imbalances in their hormones or um, chemicals in their body that cause depression. Um, and if that's the case, then people really need to seek help and, you know, get medication. It doesn't necessarily have to be forever, but, you know, taking care when you're feeling sad and if it's ongoing and for a long time, then you may need some help in terms of medication. So, you know, I, I have nothing against that, um, but it's, it's not, you know, and it's not an end all be all for everybody. Um, and sometimes it's just a mood shift, you know? And, and so I try to encourage my kids, especially to choose happiness. You know, you have a, a moment in time right here that you will never live again, you know? So how can we make this moment the best it can be? And, um, and so I always try to encourage, you know, them specifically to choose happiness Very and good. what will make you happy. Very good. What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Um, I exercise every day. And, um, and the reason I do is because when I don't, I get a lot of anxiety and so it helps me to kind of decrease that energy in my body and to stay focused better. So if I'm anxious, it's going to be very hard for me to focus because all I feel is that kinetic energy inside of me. And um, so the exercise really does help to decrease that, um, that anxiety for me. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> at 20? Yeah. Let's see. Where was I at 20? <laughs> um, what would I say to myself? Hmm. Gosh, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> who 
it feels like forever ago. Um, I would just, you know, encourage myself to, to do me, you know, and to, um, to just be more, more confident in myself because, um, you know, we all have hangups and, 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 you know, just to, to love myself more. Looking back, would you change anything? Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I have to say I've, I've lived a really great life. I've had a great career and I love the turn that my career has taken the last few years. Um, I, I, I think I've lived a good life thus far and, um, and I plan on living a great life for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, just trying to make every day the best that it can be. What scares you? Uh, what scares me? Um, probably, um, probably the biggest thing that scares me is, is like getting, getting some kind of disease that, you know, I'd have to, um, manage, uh, because I see it day in and day out. I mean, I, I work with people that are sick. So, um, so you know, seeing that constantly makes you really hyper focused on on your health and on um, and how you want to maintain your own health so that 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 sort of thing doesn't happen to you. But you really never know. Um, I, some of the healthiest people that I know um, have have developed things like cancer, you know, and and so um, so I think probably some that's the scariest thing for me is, you know, developing some kind of disease that now I have to like manage and fight for my life, that sort of thing, you know? Um, but luckily knock on wood, you know, I've been healthy thus far. That's great. Um, where do you see inspire health, physical therapy and wellness in the next five years? Uh, well, um, I'm hoping that I continue to help people with their sexual lives. Um, I'm hoping that that becomes a bigger focus um, in my practice. Um, I am also um, developing a, um, a uh, I have an invention that I'm developing. And um, so that's really kind of where I'm hoping um, that my career sort of like opens up to um, in the next five years. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Um, you know, just doing a lot of traveling with my kids, showing them the world, um, and just enjoying life and enjoying my relationship. Um, yeah. Very cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? Uh, they can find me online. If you look up Inspire Health Physical Therapy and Wellness, you can find my website. Um, I also have um, a Google site um, and I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, so you can find me there. Awesome. And we will post all the links that you've shared with us in the show notes so everybody has easy access to you and your content. Fantastic. Thank you. Any final thoughts? No, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really excited to have had this opportunity to talk to you about um, these issues. And um, I think it's 
it's really great that you're you're thinking about you know for your clients and your your uh, the population that looks at your podcast and you're you're looking at sexual health because sexual health is a very big component of um, of of uh, self care and of um, you know um, self esteem. So it's really great that you're looking at that um, in terms of uh, creating a healthy environment for your clients. So kudos to you. Well, thank you, Evelyn. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I know this was your first show that you came on. Uh, I know you're going to be doing hundreds of other ones in the next year, at least. <laughs> um, what you provide is something that a lot of people view as taboo. And for you to be able to go out there and um, and put yourself out there and just help people with this um, quote-unquote taboo subject it does play a big factor in a person's confidence, whether you're male or female. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for you to be, to have that kind of courage to go out and do that kind of work. It really does. It really is a big thing for people. So thank you so much for your hard work. Thank you. Appreciate that. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey, everybody, John Catavos from Resilient Reboot Productions. Uh, I want you guys to be able to access all the content that we're putting out with Resilient Reboot Productions, and we're moving it to a very special location. So I don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to become, a, uh, become part of the vibrant and supportive Resilient Reboot Productions community. Join us today and connect with like-minded individuals who are passionate about personal development, mindset, resilience, and growth. By becoming a member, you'll gain access to a wealth of valuable resources, including exclusive content, live events, and discussion forums where you can share your thoughts and insights 
on the latest podcast episodes. Take action now and join our community to start your journey towards a more fulfilling and resilient life.